Welcome to the Intoxicated Podcast, a weekly comedy talk show that dives into the personal lives of comedians, experts, and creators. I'm your host, Sarah McClellan, a very amateur stand-up comedian and self-proclaimed sad girl. It's the comedy podcast with a lot of heart. Feel hard and talk hard. This is the Intoxicated Podcast. Oh, hey, Internet. Welcome back to another episode of the Intoxicated Podcast. Episode... 247. Holy shit, you guys. I'm three episodes away from 250 episodes of the podcast. How insane is that? Woo! We're still going. We're still here. We're still plowing through. We're doing it. Right off the top, I gotta talk about the Intoxicated Podcast live show happening on December 3rd at Darkside Comedy Club. This is going to be the show of the year. You got to come out. You got to come. I am bringing back live debates to the stage. This is comic versus comic. They're going to debate some hot button subjects and we're going to figure out who comes out on top. And it is so much fun. My debaters are Scott McLean, Adrian Gabriel, Brian Otter, Luba Magnus, Josh Poulin, today's guest, John Pickett, Megan McCracken, and Ryan William. What a bunch of people we have. That's going to be fucking amazing. I'm also going to have stand-up comedy from Travis Lindsay, Luba Magnus, and Scott McLean. So sprinkled in there will be some stand-up as well. And I'm also very excited about this. I am doing a live on-stage interview with someone I've wanted to talk to for a while now. And to be honest, I'll probably have him back on the regular podcast as a guest at some point too, but he's going to do a little mini onstage interview with me. It's Adam Maya. So excited for that. Early bird tickets are on sale right now until, so if you're hearing this on Friday, you have one day to get your early bird tickets. The early bird tickets are $15 and they don't include Inventbrite fees. So this is the cheapest ticket you will get for the show. After the 19th of November, they are going to go up to $20. And then if you are super last minute and you come the day of, it will be 25. So I do encourage you to get your tickets ahead of time because not only will it be cheaper for you, but it will make me slightly less stressed out. So please come on out, you guys. I'm very, very excited for this show. Uh, I'm also going to have some prizes, hopefully, and lots of ways to interact with the audience. So if you're going to come to a comedy show before the year is out, it should be this one. It is going to be jam-packed and so much fun. Let's get to today's guest, everybody. I'm so excited for this. Today's guest is a fairly new comedian, but he's been hitting the ground running and doing so well in the scene. It is the very funny Josh Poulin. I said it right. I said it right, Josh. I did it. Um, I've been hanging out with him here and there since he started comedy, and we've had some great talks, and I knew he'd be a good podcast guest, so here he is. One really cool thing about Josh, everybody, is that he's developed a stand-up comedy app. And I'm going to tell you all about it right now. I'm going to test my host read ad skills. Here we go, everybody. So this app is called Stand Up R. Um, And it is only on Android as of now. So Android users, you can get this for free right now. iOS, be patient. Stay tuned. Stand Up R is the go-to app for stand-up comedians, making it easier to organize your bits, manage set lists, and record your shows. 
It helps bring your comedy into the 21st century by making it easier than ever to manage all of your bits, sets, and shows in one easy place. You can also share them with friends to get feedback and keep your writing with you wherever you go. Whether you're an open micer or just getting going, or if you're an established comedian with a solid following, Stand Up Hour gives you the tools you need to really improve on your comedy and take it to the next level. So on this app, you can write and organize and search for jokes. You can easily build and maintain set lists. You can time and record your sets on the same screen as your set list. This is the life-changing feature for me because this is exactly what I need. You can also sync your data to the cloud. You can track earnings for your shows, export your jokes, set lists, and shows to your email. This app truly does it all. Josh has done an amazing job with this app. Uh, So if you are a comedian and you are looking for a way to organize your stand-up writing and performances, this is the app for you. You got to get it. You can download it now um, in the Android Google Play Store and stay tuned for iOS coming soon. Um, So all you have to do is search stand-up our tool for comedians in the Play Store or hit the link in Josh's bio. I will also include a link to this app in the description of this podcast. There we go. Stand up our baby. Check it out. Um, Check out his app. And if you are a comedian, give him feedback on your experience. He's taking feedback right now. And that's what's going to help make the app better. I encourage you all to check out that app while you are listening to this awesome conversation with Josh. What a fun time this was. I loved getting to know him. I learned some shocking things about Josh that were so unexpected that I'm still thinking about them now. Um, and I just, you just got to listen. It's, it's, it's so great. He is a very smart and humble new comedian, which is always really nice to have in the scene. He's also hosted comedy shows around the city. So this guy's going places and you gotta uh, give him a follow on Instagram. He is at hip hip array on Instagram, or you can search Josh Poulin or um, click the link in the description of this podcast to give him a follow. Besides listening to this episode and please buying your tickets for the Intoxicated Live show, that's all for me. I hope you enjoy this great conversation with Josh Poulet. That's all right. Everyone does. It's like it, it kind of the last half kind of rhymes Poulain. with meh. Pula. Pula. Yeah, perfect. Poo. <laughs> it's poo. Yeah. P O O. Yeah, emphasize like that. Le. L E H. Uh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Let's get this show started. Let's get this party podcast yeah. started, everybody. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Intoxicated Podcast. Uh, I'm here with a guest who is fairly new to comedy. Uh, yeah, about what nine months now, I think. No, oh my god, a pregnancy! Yeah, exactly. Oh my god, for a exactly. whole pregnancy, yeah. you've been doing stand up. Yeah. Um, the very funny Josh Poulet. 
Hey, perfect. Fuck yeah. <laughs> oh, that feels good to get it right. Yeah. Um, welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Um, you are someone who is hitting the ground hard, hard and fast. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been trying anyway. <laughs> you started in February? February, yeah. That's wild to me because I don't know when I thought you started. I don't know if I, 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 I don't know why I thought it was last year. Uh, no, Leah, no, just February 20th. Did you ever go to shows before you did it or did Um, you just dive right the fuck in? No. So I, uh, I guess the first comedy show that I went to was Bob Saget at the casino in like 2011. Oh, okay. And then a whole lot of nothing. Um, I've always been a big fan of comedy, but, Ah. uh, like watching a lot on, you know, a lot of specials and stuff like that. Um, and then in January I found out about like the Oasis and Gus's Pub and stuff like that. And I started going, checking out shows. And shortly after that, dove right in. Oh, so you did check out some shows. Oh, uh, yeah, I went to a few. Do you remember who you saw? On my first show that I went to was at Oasis. And I don't remember the full lineup, but it was John, Dan, and Kyle Burnett. Interesting. Yeah, those are the three that I remember. You saw John. Yeah. And, and just so everyone knows, we have John and Michaela here. Um, listening in the peanut gallery. Say hello, both of you. Hi. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> They're sharing one mic. So, <laughs> um, that's so, that's so funny. So you saw John. Yeah. Do you remember what you thought of him? <laughs> um, yeah. So I remember those three. I remember those three because those were the ones that I, I thought were good. Ah, oh, um, you remember the ones that you think are good. Yeah. Like I was probably on the show. No, you weren't. Um, I remember the first time that I, that I saw you also at Oasis. It wasn't the first time that I went. Oh. Um, but no, I remember thinking John, uh, he ha- he opens with that, uh, the car sales joke. Yes. And that, that made an impression. I was like, that's a good joke. Um, Kyle is Kyle. You know, he makes an impression. <laughs> Kyle's uh, himself. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and Dan, of course, is, is fantastic. He was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, that's crazy. And your first set... Was where? Foggy Goggle. Was it Foggy? It was. And then, but then you did one soon after at Red Room, didn't you? No, uh, my next show was like the, a week later at District 5, the old District Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. How did that go? Um, <laughs> well, about That's as- That's a hard room, man. About as good as you could have expected. Uh, also considering it was my second set, so not good for that reason and not good because of, you know, it's a tough room. No one tells you. It's a- I want to make a menu for Halifax comedy with little icons beside it that determine how hard it is for a newbie. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's good. As, but- as an Instagram post for like new people starting to be like, you know, here are some good starter rooms. I would say Red Room and Foggy's are the best to start on. I, I would agree. I also think, Maybe. though, it's good to get out to the more difficult rooms as soon you as gotta possible. Do that. You got to do that, too. And just yeah. realize that, you know what, uh, you're going to you're going to suck for a while and it's not the end of the world. I I mean, I still suck, I think. Yeah. Um, it's a long progress to get good. For me, it was set three that I was like, oh, this is going to be higher than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First that makes set sense. was like nothing. Like, I don't even remember it. Mm-hmm. You just get the words out and do it. And then second set was great. Phenomenal. Still probably the best set I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> I look back and I'm like, that was so fucking good. Um, and then third set was District 5. And I yeah. didn't do as good. And I was like, oh, this is uh, this is going to be challenging. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's good to get that stuff out of the way as 
quick as possible because I think if you do only the the really warm friendly rooms, uh, the first time that you bomb, the longer you go without doing a difficult room or without bombing, the harder it's going to be. It like is. The harder it's going to and, feel, the more and, shitty you're going to feel about it. And the harder the transition will be is like when you do them. Like yeah, exactly. Your landing won't be as soft as a landing. Yeah. Otherwise, it lulls you into a false sense of security. Oh, yeah, exactly. 100%. You know, yeah. and yeah, that's that's never good. I mean, listen, if you want to just do those rooms, do it up. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't know. Yeah, if you want to get get better at it, you got to do a variety of places. You got to go to small towns too. Yeah, like yeah. If you have the chance, like go to the city. Yeah. Like, oh, so we should talk with this. You and I were on a show together recently. Yeah. Uh, in Hammond's Plains. Yeah. What an experience that was. It was um, <laughs> it was a fun room. It was it was challenging at first because I, I think uh, they wanted the show to start earlier than the standard eight o'clock. Yeah. So I think there's some overlap between like the there for dinner crowd and the there for comedy crowd. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I hosted and so did 15 off the top and it was a challenge to get them kind of reined in. I really felt for you. I was yeah. like, this is fucking hard. Cause it was all like groups of people mm. talking and eating. Yeah. And it was definitely challenging. I did about 15 off the top. And, uh, by the end of that, like, Kyle came up, Kyle Carpenter went up first and they were paying attention for him. Yeah. So, which, which is was fine. perfect. Yeah, exactly. That's fine. And I yeah. even, I even told them like, guys, feel free to talk all you want through my set, get up, use the washroom, do yeah. whatever. But when the actual comics come up, pay attention. Yeah. And, uh, I think they liked that and they appreciated it and they listened. And that's a sign of a good host. Everyone like that. You gotta make it about the show, not about you. And that's the sign and that's what like sucks about hosting, but it's such a good skill to have in comedy. Yeah, absolutely. It's so good it's, to have that skill. It's something I really want to uh, work at and get better at. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. A lot of people hate it. Um, I enjoy it because I like hosting. Yeah. It's it's more loose. Like you're able to kind of yep. just have some fun with the room a little bit more. You're not, you yeah. can kind of get in and out of your material a little bit. Yeah. Um, and in between sets, yeah, I try, you know. Some riffing. Maybe one quick laugh. Yeah. Uh, but I don't I don't think you should be doing doing yeah. time between sets. Yeah. But maybe address something that's happening in the room, get a quick laugh, and bring up the next guy to a or girl, the next person to a good quick little comments or yeah. something. Some quick yeah, how's everyone doing? You guys enjoying the show? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, like just some some of those things. Um that show was fucking insane because I had the fear of God in me. Well, it's because <laughs> there was children in the crowd, you yeah, guys. I was just about to say it's <laughs> it's it tough doing uh doing doing some jokes uh that definitely venture into like our or beyond territory. And you gave them one with, warning. Like, Ten year olds. Oh well I gave them one you, warning. And I then said, you gave them another warning right before me. And which I, appreciated. I also one of my first jokes was a joke about coming. Yeah. And I did that specifically to set the stage to let the parents know, like, if you're not okay with this, that's fine. We won't hold hold a grudge against you for getting the kid out of here. But this is what you're going to hear. Yeah. And uh, they they stuck around for the whole show. Afterwards, they came up to me and and they said they had a ball and they're excited to come back. I um, there's nothing that scares me more than older people. Like a lot of whiteheads, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of white whiteheads in the crowd. I get a little bit nervous, but then also children. So like that show for me, it was good for me because it, it made me get over those nerves of doing a show in front of an audience that like I had assumed would hate me. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and it's, it's and turned it around and did did okay. So. I um, 
I like I like older crowds. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of jokes about my kids and stuff. Yeah. Which in uh, a lot of comedy rooms, like in downtown Halifax, they're very they can be really young. Yeah. And so that stuff can kind of f- fly over their heads a little bit. But older sure. crowds, they appreciate it. They like it. They know that kids are um, are assholes. Yeah. So they exactly. laugh at it. <laughs> they are assholes. Yeah. You are a father. I am. Um, of two. Yep. Two boys. And you had kids fairly young. Uh, 18. Holy yeah, very young. shit. Yeah. What was that like? Um. It it was a thing, you know. It's uh, <laughs> it was a it challenge. It was a thing. It was a thing. Uh, it was a challenge, but yeah. um, you know, you got you make it work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Were you someone who always wanted to be a, a? Did you know at that point if you wanted kids for your life or? Um. So I, I always, I've always like I have some younger siblings that are they're nine years younger than me. Oh, okay. Um, and we've always been really close. I've always been really good with kids. I've always enjoyed them. I've always kind of thought it would be fun but at that point no i wasn't yeah i wasn't thinking about it i wasn't expect like didn't want kids necessarily uh or i hadn't made up my mind yet anyway i'll say that much that's that's so young i mean most people don't have their minds made up at that point no of course not you're 18 you should be thinking about other things but i i still maintain that that age it's this is a weird thing to say but in some ways it's good to start a family that young because you can mold your life around the family Versus if you got, if you entered parenthood, like, let's say you entered parenthood, like when you were in college, you were like on the way to a trajectory of like a certain way. And then all of a sudden you have to change things around. Yeah. It's, uh, kids. It's different. It's, it's a little bit backwards from common convention, but I, I do think despite the hardships of, you know, figuring out, uh, jobs and careers and all that stuff, juggling, you know, kids are expensive. So you got to figure that out. Um, but at the same time you get like, I'm only 32. My youngest, he's turning 14 or my oldest, sorry, he's turning for 14 next month. Uh, which means like four more years. And so I'll be still very young. I'll be, you know, 36 when, when he's off to college and kind of on on doing his, starting to do his own thing. You can get that done. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's all done and over with. And then you'll still have some of your life. Yeah. And I'll still be young enough to be able to enjoy and and do my own thing. And that's one thing that kind of led me to do comedy in a way. It's like, I've always wanted to do it ever since I was, I was really young. And the realization that, you know, the kids are old enough now. I don't need to be home every night. I'm, they're old enough that I have that flexibility now to be able to go out and, uh, and do my own thing a little bit more. How old's the other one? Uh, he just turned 10. 14 and 10. Okay. Yeah. Got you. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, that is wild. And so did having, did it scare you? Like that's so young to have kids. Were you terrified? Um, honestly, not really like yes and no. Like I, I went through when I found out, I went through a bit of a phase where I was just like, Oh, well I'm going to go party. And I got a lot of like the, the drinking and drugs and shit out of the way before they came. Mm. Uh, and then after that, I was just like, all right, well, I guess this is what it is. And you just kind of, you, you put on the dad hat and you're like, all right, well, I got to figure this shit out. And you just kind of do it. it. You just adapt. Yeah. That's what I always hear. Like whenever I complain about being broke and like my friends with kids are like, imagine having kids. And I'm like, yeah, I, I know that I shouldn't, I, <laughs> I shouldn't complain, but it always seems that 
with parenthood, you just figure it out somehow. Like, yeah, you really do. And I mean, I've been like, really lucky. Like we have a pretty, uh, pretty positive support network around. Like my dad lives, uh, lives close by and he's available to help when with most things and oh, my mom wonderful. is close by. And so, yeah, we've, we've been very fortunate like that. Um, but you really do just figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. You don't really have a choice. And so you've been with the baby mama this whole yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. We've been together going on. Well, no, I guess about 15 years now. So legit high school sweethearts. Ish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little bit simple. Like it was kind of uh past high school, but yeah. Oh, okay. Got you. Yeah. I guess 18. Yeah. Eight. yeah. yeah I guess, I guess you'd be like on your way out. Yeah, point. exactly. Did you change what you wanted to do for a job? Um, not really. I think I, I just kind of doubled down on making it happen faster. Got you. Um, all through high school, I, I wanted to to learn more about software development and stuff like that. Yeah. And then so I was just like, all right, well, I got to. This is the best way to make it make, make some a decent money. money and be able to support the family. Mm-hmm. Um, without nec- even like it's one of the few high paying career paths that you don't necessarily need post secondary or something like that. So. You don't? No. What? You don't need. need Most like job interviews and stuff are like it helps for sure. But if you can pass a technical interview or a skills test. What? You're in. What? Yeah. I thought you needed something. No. Software development? No. That seems pretty technical. Oh, it's very technical. (laughs) Uh, But but documentation. A lot of of reading. Do companies train you? Sometimes it's. Uh, it's a lot of reading, a lot of just figuring shit out. Um, I started off like building website. Well, back then when I first started learning, uh, it was a web, there was a website called HTML goodies. I feel like I remember that. And that was what a lot of people used for like figuring out how to customize like MySpace layouts and shit like that. Right. And so I was always having fun with my MySpace layout and I was like, you know, this is a lot of fun. (laughs) I wonder how you take it a step beyond that. And uh, cool. I updated a color in my header. Yeah. Well, I actually, you know, not to brag, but I had a pretty damn cool MySpace. Does it still exist? No. Fuck. No, definitely not. Um, What was cool about it? Well, like, so it was like, you you have a moving background. (laughs) You could completely change the entire layout of the, of the page. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it wasn't just changing colors and stuff, but you could completely, completely change everything oh, so yeah, make that, it look like it wasn't like more like a regular website as opposed to just a myspace page that would look badass yeah. and then make, make you stand out yeah exactly and it was just That's fun and then from there i was like well i wonder what else i can do with this stuff and that's fascinating yeah. and and so okay i feel like we should get into the assumptions because i'm going to just start saying them otherwise okay so let's start the first segment. Oh, 20 minutes in. I'm getting good at this. I've been trying to plan them about 20 minutes in. We start the first segment. Um, this is the assumption segment, everyone. And we're going to learn. I'm going to tell you what I like some assumptions about you. Okay. So one of my, my assumptions that I had was that you have a healthy, good work life balance. Uh, yeah, I think so. Because you have a family, mm-hmm. so you need that family time. Yeah. You need also like date time with your wife. Uh, yeah. You need comedy time and you need to work. So like, yeah. do you have a healthy balance of all those things? I think so. I mean, I, I have like a, a home office. That's kind of my, where I go during the day and, um, that's bet, John. yeah, no, I think so. All right. I nailed that one. I'm doing good so far. 
Um, you're always on time. No. What? No. I mean, I, I try to be. I, I do get I get pretty stressed over like I feel really bad like today I was I was a little bit late. No, but we didn't set a, set a set time. Well, not really, but uh, I, I was still later than I told you I was aiming for, oh. and I felt bad about that. Oh my god, don't feel bad about that. Well, I, too late. I already. Did. I I actually I'm gonna be honest. Love it when people are late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm usually running late, and it gives me a second to breathe. <laughs> yeah. No. Fair enough. Uh, I feel that. But <laughs> yeah, so like I, I try, I try to be late, uh, or early, <laughs> I try to be early, but I, I often end up late. Like I, uh, you know, if you're not early, you're late is, is kind of how I try to oh, approach interesting. things. How early do you show up for shows? Do you try Between, to get there? I, I try to get there like 15 to 30 minutes early. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's a good time frame. Yeah. Um, I wrote. I feel like you you might have a lot of useless knowledge. Oh, 100%. Like, like on like random things that Yeah. I I read a lot and I listen to a lot of podcasts and one of my favorite podcasts is uh stuff, stuff you, should, you know. should know. Yeah. And and so I just good. pick up a lot of useless facts from that. So are you good at trivia nights? Uh well, I actually only recently went to my first trivia night. Really? Um and I did okay. It wasn't great. But then I accidentally stumbled into another one because I arrived to Oasis, a show at Oasis too early. Oh. And Nine Locks Across the Street has yes. their trivia nights on Tuesday nights. It's so fun. So I went over there for a beer because it's a better environment than Oasis. No offense to Oasis. It is. Um, sure is. And I, I stumbled in halfway through their round and I ended up uh, winning. Did What? You played just yourself? Yeah. Okay, because yeah. I'm always recruiting people for a trivia team that I have that is we're usually like three people, but like we're always like wanting to add people to our team. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll keep you in mind for the next one. Absolutely. I love to join. Um, I love trivia and I love that. Like everyone, when you're on a team with trivia, everyone has a different kind of role. Like I'm the pop culture person. Yeah. You're, the, like, you're the Bobby Hill. Yeah. From yeah. that episode where he was on the. Yeah. And then, but you need that because, because if it's a good trivia round, there's going to be a variety of questions, mm -hmm. you know? So that's okay. So, so can you give me a useless fact right oh, now? Oh, Jesus, on the spot. Um, one of the earliest uh, evidence of like, of, of surgery that they found is to get rid of kidney stones. Really? Yeah. And uh, it was very painful and had like a 75% death rate. This the early form of surgery. Yeah. Well, do you, do you remember what it was? What they did? Uh, yeah, they yeah. basically like sliced into a person's uh, dick and tried to like remove them by hand, and then the guy died. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Did you know <laughs> the initial use of chainsaws? Uh, kidney stones. <laughs> Something to do with childbirth and the oh, pelvic bone. Shit. Yep. How horrifying is that? That's terrifying. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I guess it's going around TikTok now. It's like Google why chainsaws were like if you just Google why were chainsaws invented, it'll yeah. it'll uh, Google will tell you. Nothing to do with lumberjacks. That's nothing surprising. to do with lumber. It yeah. has to do with they had to cut a bone in a woman for the baby to come out. I think. Ah, uh, that's that's fucked up. That's horrifying, right? Yeah. Oh That's, my god! Uh, I can't imagine like the early pap tests what they what they did, or if they maybe they just didn't even do them. Not even early, just like a hundred years ago. 
gyne- the idea of like childbirth and and women's health in general, like yeah, just a hundred years ago, was terrifying. Let alone it's still terrifying all throughout history. Well, but at least they have like proper tools, yeah, and and stuff like that. Now. Well, let's not get carried away with proper tools. I right. I have I something I want to bring to Shark Tank. <laughs> Because pap test, they use these speculum things. Mm -hmm. It looks like a pair of (laughs) tongs to go in there. And they're the worst fucking things ever. And they're never comfortable. I don't know any woman who's like, that was fine. Yeah. Um, But I don't understand. And Michaela, let me know if this makes sense to you. Okay. A dildo with a hole in it that you put the thingy through to swab the cervix. I would rather that. Um. I don't think that makes sense because they also look in there for like it could be a really big hole, <laughs> <laughs> but like like the walls of the like, oh that's the fair. Can, what know? if it was glass? I guess so. I guess that would work. Um, I feel like that would be yeah. more comfortable. Well, a dildo, I bet, would be more comfortable than a. <laughs> I don't think it's comfort that you're talking about here. Uh, oh well, that's the whole other thing. I think. This could become very minimal in terms of what the doctor would do, because you could just put it in yourself. <laughs> Am I insane? That's not a doctor's appointment. Am that's I just, insane? That's just masturbating. No, I know. Uh, fucking Nikki Glaser was talking about this. She, she's like, every gynecological exam is like one motion away from being sexual. And it's so true. Because yeah. like if someone's like up in there with their fingers, it's like, all it is is one movement and then it's sexual. It's yeah. one little movement of the finger. And it's all of a sudden porn. And you give them a dildo and it's porn <laughs> right away, right off the bat. But no special movement necessary. Speculum man is the worst fucking thing. And I it's I didn't find it. I've only had it to use it once, but uh I don't think it was like awful, awful. It wasn't painful. Oh, I'm I like, found what painful. else are you gonna use to check it up in there? I don't know. <laughs> a clear dildo. Okay. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. You have to like take pictures or something. <laughs> you need to get the. You'd have to have like a mirror or like some way to view everything, right? Yeah, so that's true. The doctor out. There could be a camera in there too. It could yeah. be like a like, like a, a microscope where he looks in one end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I still think there must be another way to make this more comfortable. Um, I have a tilted cervix. That's why it's uncomfortable for me. They have to like move it in different. Ugh. Ugh. Sorry, I hate it. I despise it. I haven't been in a while. Thank God. I'm just going to keep not having sex so I don't have to go back. Sweet. Um, I wrote, you plan really good date nights. Um, <laughs> I mean, my wife's the one to ask there, but no, they're, they're pretty basic. Like, Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, no. They're pretty- <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> it's like, uh, you dinner? know. Dinner. Lots of dinners. What's like the cool? You haven't done anything like unique, uh, or like like over the ordinary. You should. Yeah. All do right. an escape room sometime or something. Or yeah. Like no. Go go karting. Okay. Uh, yeah. So we don't really do that, but because <laughs> um, we do that stuff with the kids, like we take them go karting, we take them to escape rooms, and we do that as kind of family stuff. Go to a. Okay. Never mind. Sorry, my brain went somewhere. Did you go to the Propeller Arcade recently? Uh, not recently, but we have been there. Yeah, that's a fun place. Yeah, for sure. I get to drink beer. Kids get to play it's, pinball. It's pinball it, is great. It's nostalgic. Yeah, it's nostalgic. I guess. I guess you're right. Like, what would the adult version of go karting? 
Yeah. And like, it's different. Like if we didn't have kids and yeah, that's, that's fun, but we do that stuff with the kids. And so a date night is like adult time where we don't do that. That's such a good point. That's such a good, have you ever done like a staycation? Like a, uh, a night at a hotel downtown. Oh yeah. 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 yeah we do that. We've done, yeah. we rent cottages every now and then. That's the shit. Um, that's where it is right there. Yeah. That's the, that's the ultimate date night. Yeah. You guys did Segura as a date night. We oh, did do fun. Tom Segura as a date night. I was going to ask um, her if you brought her to comedy or like um, local comedy. Yeah. She goes, uh, she comes out to shows every now and then. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've seen her one. Yeah. yeah. I really want to get her to do a set at uh red room. Oh, <laughs> fuck yeah. Uh, yeah, she's going to hate me for saying this on a podcast, but she does really good impressions of several comedians around town. She's seen them enough. And uh, I'm not going to get into too much detail because she doesn't want me to. But uh, that's that's why she should do a set at Dart. Or I, I keep telling her, like, you know what? On a show when all of these people are, are on at Foggy, go in for a hat spot or something. And then just you got to give of one name away. Um, you got, you, you can't say that and not, and, or, or you could allude. Can you well, allude? Uh, yeah. Well, no, like she does a good, uh, she does a good Kyle Burnett. Okay. Um, and a Dan, they, he, that, that one's kind of easy. <laughs> I uh, feel like everyone could do a yeah, good Dan exa- exactly, exactly. And, this point. Uh, exactly. So yeah, she does those two. Uh, All right. <laughs> Next joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's fucking hilarious. I would yeah. love to see that. Um, okay. I got a lot, Josh, actually. I'm shocked at how many I have. And then we're oh, going to wow. get to the ones that Mikhail and John uh, thought of, too. I wrote, you seem shy, but you actually aren't. Um, yeah, I think that one checks out. Like, Because um, you're quiet. I, I can be quiet. And then when we, yeah, at first, for sure. Um, and then want to get to know you. You know, we, we can get the ball rolling a little bit. You're not, you don't want to shy away from being talked to. Yeah. I don't really, yeah, that's, that's fair. You know, but yeah. like you're, you're not someone who comes off as an extrovert. Uh, no, I, I don't <laughs> think so. I think I, I straddle the line pretty, pretty balanced. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit of both. Like I can turn it on when I have to, uh, but then I need to go home and sleep for a while. Yeah. That's me yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, on that same plane, I feel like you have a lot of opinions, but you're very good at keeping them to yourself. Um, yeah. Like you're not, I can't see you as someone who's in the comment section starting shit online. Uh, no, not really. No, especially not, um, on Facebook where my name's attached to it. Right. Reddit is anonymous. I'll, oh, I'll tee off on Reddit a little bit. Uh, <laughs> you'll tee off on Reddit. <laughs> a little bit. There we go. Yeah. Is that, that's like another side of you that's more anonymous. So you're yeah. like, okay, what kind of subreddits are you on? Um, the, well, the Halifax one, um, what a cesspool that place it is. really is. Oh my it's, God. Might what be a, my least favorite, uh, subreddit. It's so bad. Uh, the Canada politics one I like because it's for the most part, really, uh, really healthy, uh, just general mm. conversation. And then also just the Canada one because it's a oh, far right okay. cesspool. Oh. And so that's the one that I go to, to be like, you're an idiot. And here's why this makes so much sense now. Because you're you're so even keeled for the most part that like you must put that energy somewhere. Oh yeah, all on and Reddit. And it's on Reddit. It's on Reddit. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah. I've uncovered so much already. Um you look like you've been accused of mansplaining a lot. 
Only from Michaela, to be honest with you. <laughs> she loves that word. Uh, and she's the only person who's ever said that to me. But that's that's why I feel I feel like I, I and the assumption isn't that you mansplain, but I would assume that people accuse you of it. Yeah, so but I, you, you really don't mansplain. I mean, I try I try not to. Sometimes I feel like I will say something that the uh, comes out wrong and uh, and I might try to like more explain where I'm coming from and like try to kind of, but then that can come off maybe a little bit mansplaining. Interesting. Um, when, you know, I'm not going to tell a a female doctor like how vaccines work or something. Right. Right. No. Okay. Okay. Michaela, do you have any thoughts on that? I, I I tell him he does mansplain, but just cause it bothers him. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Michaela is my real life troll. <laughs> What's this relationship? What happened here? Oh, nothing. She just trolls me for fun. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's really easy and really yeah. fun. That's, That's hilarious. <laughs> um, let me see. Did I get through all of them? Oh, I just wrote you seem mentally stable. Uh I mean, yeah, I think so. For the most part. Like, yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. It can happen. Yeah. <laughs> A comedian did, without mental health issues. Did, wow. Listen, challenge early on in life. He's a great job, great comedian, great. I'm gonna say great new comedian, just because you are still new. Oh, very. Yeah, I'm still figuring I, it out. If, if you're if you're under a year, you know. Uh, yeah, and you're still new. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I think. What do you guys think on that? Under a year, still new. Yeah, even like I just passed a year, I still feel like I'm really new and figuring it out. I feel like you're pretty. I feel like you're still kind. You're still new if you're under five years, I think. But when you're over that year point. That's when, like, I think you can say that you're a comedian. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like the divide between old and new comics has changed a lot over the last few years. So, like. It has. I feel like I would say new is, like, under a year at this point. Yeah, under a year. I would say new has more to do with, like, how how you how you've progressed, you know? Yes. That's very um, true, too. Like. Because there's people that have been doing it for multiple years that I would still say have a lot of new comic tendencies. Yes. Um, I'm right here. (laughs) Rude. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) I thought I had uh, covered my tracks a little bit better. Um, But no, I I think it's it's more about it's just more about things like stage presence and like bad habits and stuff like that. Yes. Uh, And time is definitely a factor in that as well. But I, I, I don't think like. I don't think it's really, you know, you can't really put a time frame on it where you say after a year, you're not a new comic anymore. Cause, I totally agree. Not all know. new comics are created equal. There yeah. it is. Yeah. There it yeah. is. And I think it's also to do with like a variety of different things you experience, right? Yes. You know what I mean? So if you are, that if plays you, a factor. If you're someone, number one, if you do a lot of sets consistently, if you've produced shows, if you've hosted shows, if you've done shows at a variety of different places. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like the only way to not feel or seem new, I guess, is to go through a bunch of different things and then learn and grow from them. True. So if you're only, you know, not learning a lot or not doing a whole lot of things outside your comfort zone, then, then yeah, you can be new at any time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it all about the self-reflection, like after a set, uh, if you 
feel like you've killed it every time, yeah. you're probably going to be a new comic for many years. Oh, yeah. Ding that bell. That's a bell ring. Yeah. That's a great, great point. All right. Now we're going to get to John and Michaela's assumptions. All right. And I, and I have to say that this was so fucking funny because I made a group chat with them. And I wrote, okay. <laughs> I wrote assumptions about John. Hit me. John wrote, my first assumption is that you met John. <laughs> That's a solid assumption. That's I died because I'm like, your names are so fucking similar. They're only like, what, two letters off. Yeah. Uh, one letter off. Um, so... John said that he thinks you dive into things and you want to be good, very good at them. Uh, yeah, dive- no, 100%. And uh, that's something I'm probably going to circle back to in the what's wrong with you segment. Um, but that's 100% accurate. I love that. Yeah. Um, John, what made you come up with that? It was just an observation that you had? Observation. And he also reminds me of my childhood best friend whose name was like Mike Fitz. And mm. Fitz had to be like good at a lot of things. And I was like, just chill out, buddy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but it's also the like attention to detail and stuff like that. You so, very good attention to detail. It's a good thing to have. <laughs> John said that uh, he thinks that you probably looked up best practices for some mundane thing like tying your shoes. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Fuck, absolutely. I do that all the time with best ridiculous practices? shit. Like what? Um, well, like tying a shoe, tying a tie. Uh, okay. Not not so much tying a shoe, but lacing your shoes. Um, and the best practice is, is you know, is semantics or, or whatever. Just like yes. looking at different methods for doing it, and then seeing what which one works for me for no. like ridiculous shit, like like lacing your shoes. Number one, fuck laces. I hate them. I hate laces. Yeah, fair enough. Shoes shouldn't have laces. Hot take. Yeah. <laughs> But like, I think one might assume a dad might know a lot of these things and it's nice to bust the myth that they don't always. Well, yeah. And I think, I think dads prior to YouTube would just know this shit, but (laughs) now we don't have to know it because it's just a quick YouTube search away. It really, really. So you don't have to commit that stuff to memory. Really. You know, I don't know how to throw a ball. Why do I have to throw a ball? I can just look. Show them, show my kids a video of somebody throwing a ball on YouTube and say, that's how you do it. It's shocking how many, just like cooking and cleaning. Uh, so woman of me to say <laughs> cooking and cleaning things that I've Googled. How long uh, I, I, I have, a, I just, I could rant forever about potatoes and how long it takes to cook a fucking potato. I never know. I yeah. never get it right. Yeah. I never get it right. Um, never, ever. Well, and that's, that's actually, so not to but blow open the ceasefire that I have with John on the, on this longstanding debate. Uh, but that is another thing that I've, I've YouTubed and Googled multiple times is like hard boiled eggs. Yes. Uh, how do you make a good, hard- how do you make a hard, good hard boiled egg? Yeah. There's different things like, uh, you can put vinegar in the water or salt or like an ice bath. Ice baths I've seen. Yeah. And Ugh. like, you know, do you, do you roll it afterwards to, to peel it better or, <laughs> or what? And, save it uh, for your guys' podcast, okay? <laughs> save that energy. Save that energy for the potential podcast that's going to come out of y- you and John. Yeah, John's no, John and debates. I have very strong opinions about inane food topics. <laughs> I love it. It's the stuff that matters, really. Yeah. Um, John also assumes that you fuck with your kids and you tell them shit just to amuse yourself. 
100%. The kids have no idea uh, about some like pretty, pretty <laughs> fucked up shit. Um, so like I've, I've told this joke on stage a few times about uh, how I would lie to them and tell them that like I'm an Orthodox Jew. And that's a real thing. Uh, I, I've been you telling told them that. that? I've told them that for years. Why? I, I have no idea. I think it was when it started when when my oldest was just a baby. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I, I starting st- young. I start the gaslighting young. We were talking about like my wife and I were talking about religion and I was just just kind of threw it out there. Yeah. And uh, and it just kind of stuck around. And so I've told the kids that another thing that I've also like they know that is not true. Uh, but another thing that I, I've told them and that I've cont- kept this one going is that I'm a Russian spy. Which is like a typical like dad joke sort of a sort yeah. of a thing, but I am so committed to this goddamn bit that for a long time they're getting old enough now where they're starting to be like, no, that's that's ridiculous. But from like the years like four through eight or nine, they had no idea like what if I was telling the truth or not. They're like, where were you born? I said Moscow, and they're like, well, why do you have a Canadian passport? I said, well, because I'm uh, because. You know, like you don't think the Russian government can give me a fake passport, and uh, like how 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 could you get away with this with like your your parents and shit? Like, would they question your parents too? Oh yeah, they just go along with it. Oh. <laughs> this is gonna cause damage. Yeah. Uh, so, what one time my youngest was was in school and they were talking about like backgrounds. Like, uh, like cultural backgrounds. And my youngest came home from school one day and he was like, oh, I told my teacher that we're Russian. And I was just like, all right. I didn't, I didn't correct him. Oh my God. (laughs) I, I was more thinking like the meme, like I'm going to tell my kid this celebrity was that celebrity or something. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's kind of like that, but in real life and it's pretty funny. You've gone deeper than you've gone deep with your, yeah, no, 100%. And they, uh, I mean, they, they know, especially like my, my old, he's 14 now or will be next month. So he's old enough now where he, he knows, but he's started kind of trying to help me gaslight the youngest. Um, <laughs> so it's like a whole family thing. It's like a tradition. It's great. That's fucking wild. Yeah. It's a I lot thought, of fun. I it's thought, so much fun. I thought my, like my parents told me that my cats got taken up in a sp- spaceship <laughs> when they went missing for my That's, both my cats went missing my yeah. childhood cats went missing for 13 days okay and they were like they just they went up they they just went up in a spaceship and they came back wow. and i believed them yeah so that's that's <laughs> hilarious uh it's kind of like that but on a much bigger scale like yes. a much longer yeah, scale yeah that's insane yeah you've never let anything slip with that lie oh no how the fuck that's what i'm like it's it's even uh, like we went camping uh, over the summer with uh, some of their cousins that are about their age. And they were like, oh, yeah, my dad's a Russian spy. And the cousins were like, no, he's can't... not. And they were like, well, you want it? They were like recruited him to to try to help bust this this whole thing open. And uh, so then this this other like 10 year old cousin was coming over and like trying to be like, you're not a <laughs> Russian spy. And I was like, yes, I am. He's like, say something in Russian. And I was like, Niet. And uh, and then he went away <laughs> and he was like, all right, he said something in Russian. This might be true. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. But a Russian spy wouldn't say that they're a Russian spy. Oh, they've tried to get me on that, too. And I said, well, you know, it's been so long now. I think oh, I'm out of the- You don't do it anymore. No, exactly. You used to do it. Yeah, exactly. 
even still. Yeah. What the? F- <laughs> I'm shocked. I am shocked at the extent of that. Those lies. Oh yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been going on for a long, long time, like years. Do your kid? Does your 14 year old listen to podcasts? Uh, sometimes. Does he know you're on one? Yes. Is that weird? Oh yeah. Like I thought it was so, just. I thought it was strange. Like when guests come on and like they're single and they're on Tinder and like it's very obvious that Tinder matches will probably find. Yeah. Your guys' episodes. So. Um, but. It was. Kids is another thing. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, when You're I was busting on it right now, we can't air that part. <laughs> no, we can air it. Um, <laughs> we can air it. They won't find it. I'll tell them that he's not allowed to listen to it because of that dildo conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I can put you under like a, like a different name. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Like, uh, give me, the, give me a Russian name. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> this is insane. Yeah. So no, anyway, back to John's assumption. I totally fuck with my kids just for the fun of it. And I'd take it pretty far. Um, but uh, there's, so th- those are some pretty uh, intense ones, but there's also been some just fun, lighthearted ones. Like uh, when during potty training, like back to your, your example of like your parents telling you about the, uh, spaceship. the spaceship. Um, I told the kids that there were, were poop monsters that lived in the toilet and they eat poop and you got to go feed them. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know where this, where no, this was I, going. No, I'm not going to scare them away from the toilet. Jeez, right. I, no, I'm trying no. to encourage them. It's like yeah. they're, they're friendly monsters like the Sesame Street folks, you know? Uh, <laughs> and and you got to go feed them. <laughs> you got to go feed them. That's kind of cute. It worked. That's kind of cute. Yeah, it was adorable and it worked. I legitimately thought something would grab me. On the toilet. Yeah, so this probably wouldn't have worked for you because it it would have scared you out. It would have because uh, I would have gone. What do you mean they live in there? Yeah, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> um, can I ask? And we don't have to put this in if it's if there's worry that your kids would would hear. But where do you fall on the Santa Claus? Um, telling them if, if Santa Santa's real or not. So, like again, if he's fourteen, my oldest. So he he knows, but we don't. I would hope we don't really point. address it. Okay. Um, generally we'll give them, give them the, uh, the basics from Santa Claus and then any, any good, cool things right. come from us because we don't, you want the credit. We want the credit. <laughs> exactly. Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> Giving this fucking jolly fat guy in the it, North pole credit was, for like the PS4. Fuck you. It was never talked about though. No, it's never really been directly addressed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So no, we're all in on the gas. You're, you're not. That one of the types that uh, oh look I got a message from Domino's Domino's knows that we're together. (laughs) That's hilarious. Um, You're not one of these people who like there's there's some parents out there now that are just like straight up not even doing the Santa thing. They're like right right from day one. There's no imaginary man bringing gifts. I think that's uh, you know there's a lot of fun yeah to it. It's like the whole magic of Christmas is is fun. It's a fun tradition. Oh so do you okay so based on what I know of you now. Do you like, do you do the whole like set cookies out oh, yeah. and then bite into the cook? You do all that? Oh yeah. We, we do the cookies. We do carrots for, for the reindeer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's so cute. Uh, the pets get a, get a stocking that gets filled oh. with, with pet treats and yeah. You got pet, what pets do you have? Um, so we, we have a dog and uh, up until a few months ago we had a cat. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a shock and a bummer to lose the cat. No. Yeah. 
don't want to hear about more dead cats. No, I know it's it sucks because uh, your last episode also featured heavily on the dead cat Science. thing. Science. So yes. like we can uh, we can skip right past this. Let's skip right past it. Um. Okay. <clears throat> Michaela's assumptions. Uh, she assumes that your kids. <laughs> <laughs> are the annoying know-it-all kids at school <laughs> um so see this you is what i know mean. you so might not know this is what i mean when i say that she is my real life troll uh because that was kind of rude you know <laughs> um but no i don't think so i feel no. like they just like correct the teacher sometime no that was me for yeah. sure that was me yeah so oh, maybe yeah. it trickles down though um I don't think so. My my oldest is too timid. Uh, he oh. has a very like calm, collected demeanor. Uh, he'll come home like bitch and complain about the teachers, but I don't think he really hmm. corrects them. And my youngest is um, he's a lot more outgoing, but a lot more. He kind of goes along to get along. Uh, OK, got you. Yeah. Oh, he's, that's kind of nice. Yeah, it's kind of nice. So you were the know it all in school now. Oh, yeah. Big time. Were you the. Were you, what kind of archetype did you fall into? Were you a jock, geek, popular kid, preppy, um, suck up, teacher suck up? None of them really. Like no? I, um, not really. I, <laughs> I don't know. You were just there. I was just there. I kind of floated between groups a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I was, I was a bit of a floater. Yeah. yeah. I could see you being. Like the nice guy that everyone enjoys. That's also yeah, very an, smart. To an also extent, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. To an extent, like I, like I said, yeah, I just kind of floated between groups. Um, when I was in junior high, I started going to like like punk shows and and stuff like that, and getting more into the music scene. Oh, um, some punk yeah. in your blood. I like that. Yeah, a little bit. I like that. Um, another one, another couple from John. Um, John assumes that you could bake a really good pie. Yeah, I bake I bake a fantastic pie. Which one? Cherry, pecan. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh blueberry. It was one of my favorites. My dad actually used to own uh a pretty popular bakery uh called Simon the Pieman. Oh. And um Fuck yeah. I have learned nothing about pie making from him. I just Google really good recipes. <laughs> Back to the Googling <laughs> thing. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned blueberry because I got into a heated discussion about blueberry pies and how i don't like blueberry pies and how i only like mm. blueberries and smoothies and like on their own like i'll eat them yeah. on their own and i'll eat them in, in smoothies or like with yogurt but um i do not enjoy a blueberry pie no the bottom of my list bottom I, of my list for pies top top is i mean i would put cherry at the top yeah cherry is fantastic Cherry's the best pie i think cherry is fantastic um i don't I I think apple is, might be at the bottom uh, of my pie. Oh, that's unpopular. List. It's really, it's just overdone, you know? I it's, don't like it. It's the golden retriever of pies. Yeah, it's just like, it's boring. <laughs> give me give me a better pie than that. Pecan pie is underappreciated. I made Pecan one recently. Pecan pie is fantastic. I, I recently made it. Nice. By myself for uh, Thanksgiving at my friend's place. And I was How did so, it turn out? I was so proud. It's turned out pretty good. Nice. I think next time will be a bit better because I'll do a homemade crust. Yeah, uh, that's, the the I, that's the key. That's the key, I think. That's the key. You got to do a, a good homemade crust. Got to fucking do it. Yeah. Um. Okay. And then John also, this is the last one. Um. I assume he regrets at least one of his tattoos. <laughs> and <laughs> Michaela said that you should regret all of them. <laughs> so the theme of today's episode is Michaela is a troll. 100%. It keeps coming back to that. 
You literally told me the story of one that you do regret, which you might or may not want to tell. Uh, which is pretty dumb. Is it a girlfriend's so dumb. ex-girlfriend's name? So dumb. No, uh, it's dumber than that. Um, it is a girl's name, but not one that I ever dated or was romantically involved with in any way. Is it a celebrity crush's name? No, it was just a friend who dared me to do it. Oh, I love that. <laughs> no, that's amazing. Yeah, so I, I did it and uh, like I haven't, like we haven't spoken really since high school. Um, so but we were pretty good friends for a while and she was just like, I dare you to do this. And I had a friend with a tattoo gun, so uh, he did it. Do you regret that one? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's, it's pretty stupid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's also, it's like, it's on my leg. So it's not even like, right. It's not one of my more visible ones. It's, but also what a nice, I, I feel like people shouldn't regret tattoos because they're just stories that you could tell. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. They're conversation starters, you know? Yeah. Can I dare you to make me a pie? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you can ask. It's just a pa- the whole assumption was just a passive, yes. very yeah, passive yeah. way to that's uh, such a situation. Can I dare you to make a comedy app for iPhone? But uh, it's it's a work in progress. Work in progress. It, that one is a work in progress. John, uh, what kind of pie do you want? Oh, John, cherry, I guess. Cherry, I'll well, make you one hell of a cherry pie. Yeah, Stay on that mic and tell us what your favorite pie is. Oh, that's a good one. I I also feel apples. Like kind of overdone, yeah. Bland. Hell yeah, yeah. That's why uh, we're friends. I like a cherry pie. Uh, pecan pie is underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, There's also different- I like a good pumpkin pie. Oh I yeah, know. I see. I'm not a pumpkin. That pie divides pie. the pumpkin. room. That divides the yeah. room real quick. <laughs> it does. I'm not a pumpkin and, but, pie guy. But then you go into like I love lemon meringue pie. Oh yeah. Oh so good. So good. Yeah. Right. That's like the only pie my dad would eat growing up. The only time he would ever eat dessert was lemon meringue. Lemon meringue pie. or yeah. like banana cream. Coconut cream. Oh, I That's like I too, like coconut I like, cream. Coconut cream is good. I, I like coconut, coconut, but a coconut cream pie is too much coconut. Mm. Um, but I like all the like key lime pie, like all those kind of creamier meringue pies. Yes. Are, are good. Yeah. Uh, and let, let's not forget the best pie of them all. Just the basic cream pie. <laughs> <laughs> Did a little look at the camera there. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Directly in the eyes of the listeners. Those were the assumptions. We're done. Fantastic. Good assumptions. That was like yeah. so many assumptions. That was a lot. That might have been the most that I, I've had on this show. <laughs> that was more than I was expecting. Uh, but you guys did all right, except for Michaela. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, we're fired up now, so we're going to do segment two, which is the rant. All right, yeah, so I've been thinking about this lately. I think A-list celebrities and comedians should stop putting out specials. Ooh. Um, I I need to add a... Like, Ooh. yeah, a studio audience. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Shots fired. Bam, yeah. bam, bam, bam. No, like. A-list. Like the A-listers, like, uh, like we get it. Dave Chappelle doesn't understand trans people. Uh, mm-hmm. We get it. Bill Burr is sick of cancel culture. So is Dave Chappelle. So is Ricky Gervais. So is all of the A-listers. Um, you know, Nick Kroll put out a special mm. a month or two ago that was boring as hell. Is he A-list? I mean, he's. A-list? So A-list in terms of comedians, like he's a he's He's a household name if you follow comedy, if you like you know, Big Mouth, I think definitely put him up there. Yeah. Um but I yeah, I think it just and you compare all of those specials uh that have come out over the last couple years from those really big names 
you know, like David Spade and all of them. Yeah. Uh, to the ones that are coming up from the up and comers, like um, over the last couple of years has been like Shane Gillis live in Austin, uh, Sam Morell's new special, uh, Shang Wang special, like all of them, uh, Mark Norman special, like they're all just blowing them out of the water. Right. And I think we need to devote more resources to them. That's fair. That is, that is very fair. That is very fair. But at the same time, what are those A-listers going to do? Tour. Yeah. I guess they could cigar it. Yeah. Just tour and like, uh, make your money that way. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's boring. I think Bill Burr's last two specials have been very boring. Yeah. Uh, talking about the same old shit, same with Chappelle's last number of specials have been, uh, the same stuff. And like, there's funny, funny moments in them for sure, but they're not right. They're just not killing it the way that they, the way that they used to and the way that a lot of the up and comers have been. And the like independently produced ones, I feel are just, they're better. A lot of them. Absolutely. They're better because they're, they're more tailored to that comic. 100%. Like, uh, who, who special came out last week? Ari Schaffer's yeah. special. I haven't seen it yet. I really do want to so, watch it though. So, so yeah. good. Is it? Oh, I hear it great was so things. good. So I've actually, and this is going to be, uh, <laughs> this is going to be weird to admit, but I've started tallying laughs in comedy specials. Oh. No, I love this. <laughs> I love this. You have? Yeah. So like I've I've done it for the last three that I've watched and I plan on doing it for every every that I watch. Okay, forward. but is it types of laughs? Because you got like so, medium, light. So big. I don't I don't care about ripples. I like any big, like full audience laugh, uh, I'll I'll count. Um fascinating. Yeah, and then I'll also count applause to help kind of break it down of whether or not it's more of an agreement applause or an enthusiastic yep. that was funny applause and that sort of thing the best applauses come after laughs everybody yeah 100 like if you're if a special has too many applause because you're saying you're like making political statements uh, then you know you're not really at a at a comedy show you're at a rally yeah and that's that's a different thing that's very fair what are you finding based on your research so far so i've uh, i've only done three like i said i did um daniel sloss's jigsaw uh, which was very funny um, and had about 220 laughs in 60 minutes. Mm. Um, and then I did Ari Shafir's Jew, which had 419 laughs in 90 minutes. It was just nonstop. Holy killing. shit. Yeah. I'm just doing the math, man. I'm like, okay, so it's, it's definitely multiple laughs in a minute. Oh yeah. It that's was fucking wild. And that's another thing I do as I break it down. Uh, it's Ari Shafir had 4.7 laughs per minute. And then I did Neil Bl- Neil Brennan's Blocks. Uh, his new special just came out the other day, which wasn't as good as Three Mics. Um, and it had uh, under 200. Okay. Know. Yeah. Now, um, does that matter? The, la- you, the last per minute? I don't think so. I it's Like, not necessarily. Um, I think, like, Daniel Sloss would have had more laughs. But for about probably 15 minutes in the second half of the show... He kind of took took a bit of a, a left turn and started talking about something like some more real shit. Um, and that happens. Yeah, sometimes. and that's that's totally fine. That's that's valid. Um, I'm mainly looking at it. I mainly do it because a it, it forces me to really pay attention to the special a lot more. Uh, like I'm yeah. not on my, I'm not on my phone or talking to anybody or eating or whatever. Well, you're also studying um, it like a, a and, student of comedy. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's a big part of why I'm doing it as well as to really understand like okay here are the people that are that's killing it 
so hard that they're getting specials. They're just, they're fantastic. And uh, here's how many laughs per minute they're getting. The feminism is about to leave my body. Um, she's just, she's just going to walk out the door here, but you should, you should do women too. I'd be curious. No, 100%. I would be curious Um, as to those stats. So yeah, no, 100%. And please share the spreadsheet with me. I'm geeking out over this. That's fucking wild. Cause I've, I've been tracking, uh, female representation on shows Mm -hmm. (laughs) spreadsheet Yeah, in the same way that you are. That's what I do. Yeah, no, it's it's really cool uh, taking data. that kind of analytical data, yes. like that analytical approach to it. Um, yeah, it's really neat. Because the last per minute thing is fascinating to me because like, I, I, you know, when you think of four laughs in a minute, Jesus Christ. Almost five, 4.7 laughs per minute. That's a lot. And yeah. like when I think of someone like Eliza Schlesinger, um, who I've seen live and like I've watched her specials, she's... She, her bits can draw out so long without laughs. Yeah. That it's it's almost not comedy. Yeah. Did I just say that? Um, I, I kind of just said that. No, that's fair. Like, <laughs> I love her. I, I really do, and I look up to her. But I haven't watched it. Yeah. She just had a excuse me. She just had a new special come out, didn't she? Like yeah. recently. Recently. Um, I haven't watched it yet. They're but, very long yeah. observational bits. Okay. But that said, I that not diminish her as a performer. As a performer, she's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But it is a lot of talking to get to that laugh. Yeah. Which and is is the laugh worth it? Is it big? Is enough? the laugh worth it? Yeah. And which really makes her. She probably has to work really fucking hard to make sure it is worth it. Yeah. So that's a whole other talent. But then sure. it, then it becomes what kind of comedian do you want to be? Like. I kind of want to be the four laughs in a minute person. Oh you know? yeah. No, like- <laughs> where, and that's the thing. Like that's, there's something different between uh, like her and say Mike Birbiglia. Yes. Who also does really long jokes, really long stories. Uh, but there's no, like everything that he says is a laugh. Everything yeah. that he says is a joke. Even if it's just, if it's all building to one long 30 minute story, um, there's there's nothing in there or almost nothing in there that isn't really a joke. Yeah. Yep. That's that's fascinating. Yeah. That's fascinating. So everyone should watch more independently produced stuff. A lot of comics are are, are doing stuff on YouTube, which is yep. phenomenal. I recommend um, our special day, Corinne Fisher and Christina Hutchinson from Guys We Fuck podcast. They did a special together. It's like a co-special. Like mm-hmm. so, it's like one doesn't. Was it 40 minutes? I don't know how they did the timing, but it was like split between the two of them. And they did it themselves too. Nice. So they fully produced this themselves. And I think it's just, I think it's just better. You have yeah. way more control over your, what you're putting out. You know? Yeah, exactly. And like, there's no, no studio execs telling you, no, you can't joke about this or that or whatever, or just challenging the format of it. Mm-hmm. The format is exactly what the, what the comic wants it to be. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's a good rant. Yeah. That's a good rant. Um, let's shift it back into personal town and uh, find out what's wrong with you. <laughs> phase. Yeah. Um, the phase was great. <laughs> it was like, I don't want to say what I'm about to say. Well, so uh, I guess a couple of things uh, going back to John, one of John's assumptions um, about diving in is uh, I get really, really into stuff like to the point where 
um, where I'm, I'm tallying laughs in a comedy show, stuff like that. Like just, I get really obsessive about it. Ah, um, which is, is good and bad. Yes. Um, it, when it's harnessed properly, it's good, but sometimes it can kind of run away from me. Like I also do that, take that same obsession to like watch shows that I'm watching, where if I find a new show that I'm really into, um, who needs sleep at that point? I'll just, I'll stay up. Oh, it's like night. a hyperfixation, hyperfocus yeah, yeah, exactly. to an extreme degree. Yeah. And like, uh, yeah, hyperfocus for sure. And like before I started doing stand up, I built an app because the, the main app that a lot of comics use uh, to track shows and jokes and, and set lists and stuff like that didn't really work on my phone. Right. So I was like, oh, well, I'm going to need this. So I but spent a couple of weeks building an app for it. And that's what I've been using ever since. Um, so, but it took me, it took time away from work. It took time away from, yeah. from family. And it, and that was before I ever even did. Stand, I wasn't sure if it was something that I wanted to, to do more than just the one stand up. Yeah. That was, that was like a part of me preparing to do it. Whoa. Yeah. So is it, do you think that's a bit OCD ish? Um, I mean, maybe not, maybe not that extreme, not that extreme, but it's, it's definitely like. A, a bit of uh, a tendency towards it. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. And um, what was I fucking going to, are you perfectionist too? No, no. Um, okay. I mean, not really. Uh, I, I try really hard to not let perfect be the enemy of good. Mm. Uh, so like I, yeah, like the app has, I've been updating it regularly because as I use it and realize that uh, it, I, it's missing this or that or the other thing, I'll add it or change it or redesign it or whatever. Um, but that didn't stop me from using it up until that point. Like I'm not going to hyper fixate on it to that point where I'm making sure it's perfect before I ever use it or release it or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. I think this is mostly a good trait to be honest. Yeah, no, but it's like I, I said, it's, it is when it comes to being productive, but then it, there's also the other side of it where it like, takes time away from other things. Well, like I, I recently uh, started rewatching, uh, the Breaking Bad universe. Mm. So because Better Call Saul ended, I went back and I rewatched from season one to six of Better Call Saul and then season one to five of Breaking Bad. I've seen both of those shows multiple times, but that didn't stop me from like not like putting not putting that ahead of like sleep. Like it doesn't Got really take time, you. take away time from family and stuff. Uh, but once they're in bed, I'll stay up for a few hours and. Got yeah. Yeah. And so like that side of it is, is definitely. It's not the most healthy for you self-care wise probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I feel that. Yeah. I, I've gotten carried away with, with things. Well, I think what this is, it, it's very much so an AD. I mean, I don't know if you have an ADHD, but it is I an don't. ADHD trait to hyper-focus mm -hmm. on the things that make us feel good or give us the serotonin. Um, And that's why a lot of creative people have ADHD, but they don't like they don't like clean their house or yeah. something because that's not as fun. Right. Yeah, for sure. So they'll hyper fixate on like a video game. Yeah. So I do that as well on video yeah. games. I just bought the new God of war game that I'm itching to get back to now. <laughs> um, but also like, no, I, I don't have uh, ADD or ADHD. And I know that as a fact because I was in a summer camp when I was in grade five, uh, that was put on by the St. Mary's psych oh. department to study what a fun summer camp. <laughs> yeah, it was it was honestly a lot of fun. I would fucking love that. Uh, it was a lot of Sign fun. Me up. <laughs> they put they put 
ADD kids and ADHD kids with non-ADD and ADHD oh, kids. Oh, wow. And kind of studied their interaction and, and stuff like that. Um, and a part of it was everyone that went to the camp also had to go get an MRI done to study the brains and stuff like that. Uh, so I can definitively say that, no, I don't have it. Um, and you went in as a non-ADHD? Yeah. What was the point of the study? Just to see tendencies? Uh, tendencies. Social in, in, things? So how they interact, uh, how one group will interact with the other group and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, one of the main feedbacks was that I hung out with a lot of the the ADHD kids that were getting into a lot of trouble, but was never in trouble myself. Like I was never. So like I'd hang out with them and then they'd start going off the rails and I'd just kind of take a step back um, and let them do their thing. And then. <laughs> And then come back and, and hang out when they were kind of calm again. That's. Whoa. How yeah. old were you? Uh, 10 ish. That's wild. Yeah. I think it was, I think it was the summer, like going into grade six. And you were part of the study. That's so yeah. crazy. They looked at your brain and went, it's not fucked up. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, yeah. It was also a great way for my parents to put me in a summer camp that they didn't have to pay for. So that was That's a, a great. Yeah. You should make a bet out of that. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, because uh, it was all free. It was, it was covered by St. Mary's and uh, got me out of the house all summer long. My God. Yeah. So no ADHD, but you hyperfixate on on things you enjoy. Just like yeah. what, what, what John said, you dive into things and you want to learn a lot about them and do them well. Yeah, kind of 100%. Thing. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. Got you. Man, it's it can be a curse, though, being someone who's like that. Like, I find with like with this upcoming live show, I'm going to be psychotic. Yeah. For yeah. that for that same reason. Yeah. I'm pretty psychotic with the shows I produce in terms of like I'll be bugging people every day for a ticket. Like how many tickets have we sold every day? And how can I perfect the schedule more yeah. and promo? I got to get promo out all the time. Like it's, it's kind of the same thing with me. Yeah. It's like to a bad degree, but also too with the show thing. It's interesting. You said that. Cause when I get into a show, I really get into a show. It doesn't, yeah. it, it takes a lot for me to get into a show, but Mr. Robot was one of the shows that I would watch. And then I would go down the rabbit hole on Reddit yeah. For hours no, afterwards. Too. And I and like that obsessed. show a lot. Like as a, a software guy myself, like I, I really related to, to Elliot a lot. Uh, well, to, yeah. a, to a certain point. Yeah. Um, and I know that's one of my all time favorite shows. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's yeah. And then it's like, yeah, it's 3am and I uh, have to get up in the morning. <laughs> yeah. No. And that's the problem is that before you even realize it, uh, yeah, it is 3am and that's why one thing I've, I've started, I've started doing is making sure that I like turn off or dim the lights. Yeah. Uh, if I'm in the living room watching it, I'll turn, turn the lights at least way down. So that way I'm, I'm naturally getting tired. Whereas if I leave them on, I won't notice what time it is. Yeah, man, that's real. Yeah, yeah. that's very real. And it is very much so that it's almost like you're, you're, you're um, following the productivity. Yeah. Or whatever feeling you're getting from like research or whatever it is, you don't want to end that. So you'd rather just keep going. And for me, I don't know how it is for you, but like I actually get amped. Like I get adrenaline rushes when I'm like really into something. If it's a really good show, for sure. If it's yeah. a really good show or like like for me, it was like, like the latest Taylor Swift album. <laughs> like that was like, like the adrenaline is so high that like there's no way I could sleep even if I, even if I wanted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, I, I get that too. End yeah. of Mr. Robot when that last episode aired, couldn't sleep. Yep. I was just like heightened and I'm just scrolling Reddit. Yep. Just scrolling Reddit and reading other people's thoughts on it. Yep. So I feel that hard. Yeah, 100%. And I did that with Better Call Saul because like, the ending was fantastic. Yeah. And uh, it was the same thing. So I've also tried to start like shows like that where I'm kind of following it as they're airing and they're airing once a week. I'll try to carve out some time like during the day to watch it. Yeah. So that way I have time to kind of digest it and, and get to bed at a reasonable time that you, night. You can prepare. You yeah. can schedule the the hyper fixation. Yeah. So. Was the pandemic just amazing for you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I loved it. Uh, it was great early on. Like the first uh, the first wave was amazing. Right. Yeah, it was, because I was, I was really, uh, really stressed and under a lot of pressure at work and stuff. And then that happened. Everything slowed down. And all of a sudden I was just like, oh, all right, I'm and you had time. I'm gonna enjoy this. Mm. You had time to like enjoy enjoy stuff. Yeah. Hobbies and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you have any other I mean, obviously TV and stuff like that. Any other hobbies outside of comedy that you do? Um Comedy's a big one. So you com- don't have to have another hobby. Yeah, no, comedy <laughs> is a big one. I think um like lately that's that's been, been a big a big part of it. Uh, I I bike a lot mm, okay. at least when the weather yeah, yeah, yeah. permits. Um, but no, comedy is a is the big one. It's a time suck, and I, I've been trying to take a really, uh, you know, really measured and analytical approach to it to f- see to focus on one thing at a time to get better at. Interesting, because like I don't want to otherwise. If you if you're just like oh I just want to get better at comedy, there's so many different faucets of that. Like, do you want to get better at writing? Do you want to get yeah. better at performing? Like, yeah, you know, no, you're so do you right. Get better at act outs, do you want to get better? Like, whatever. Yeah. Um, what do you mean? What do people mean when they say I'm, I'm just trying to get better? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like I'm, you know, I I, I I try to have a small realistic goal for every show. Like I want to hold my hold the mic a certain way. Oh. I want to uh, appear, just come be more comfortable on stage, more more present. I want to uh take time to kind of take a sip of my drink and mm. just come off as a lot I want to address one thing in the room there's you know one goal per one, set one goal per set yeah fucking that's such a good way to do it yeah. one don't try to do everything perfect at once no because you'll probably fail yeah exactly and then not only will you fail you get really burnt out yeah. and and you'll get really hard on yourself when you realize that just how much of a beast it is yeah uh because writing jokes is the easy part really uh, i envy that i i don't find that to be no. the case at all well for me it's <laughs> for me it's the hardest part but, I'm, but everyone's different yeah no I, what i mean by that is like any you can go to a coffee shop and you can decide to focus on writing yeah and it's just a it's just you and your phone or a pen and paper whatever it is words on the screen yeah whereas you know and then you can go up on stage somewhere and you can tell your jokes. Yes. But I want to be able to perform the jokes. Yeah, exactly. And, and add more of a performance aspect to mm. it. And good stand up is really kind of the marriage of the two, the marriage of the two. Exactly. And, and so that's where I'm trying yeah. to get to that point and uh, I'm not there yet. I know it takes a long time to get there, but that is what I'm, yeah. what I'm focusing on. Yeah. It, it's when those two things are in unison Yeah, that it's, but it's it's magical. But man, the writing thing. Ugh, I hate writing. I would pay someone to write jokes for me. I hate, yeah. hate the writing side of things so no. much. I'm very vocal about that. But um, 
Oh, it can be tough. It, it, it can be, yeah. especially, um, and I don't know, you know, uh, John, how long have you been in stand-up again? You've been... It just passed a year. Just so passed like a year. In November, yeah. I find after the year point, when you start to run out of material and you're like spinning wheels, that's when it gets frustrating, I find. Yeah. But, I, I felt that way for a long time. Like over the summer, I think I overbooked myself. Yeah, you and, yeah, you do a lot of shows. Yeah. You're so, on a lot of posters. Yeah. So like there was a, a while there where I was doing like two or three a week kind of at, at a minimum. Yeah. And that would, was, and then I, I ended up, I was just like, you know, I'm still telling jokes that I wrote very early on. I know they're not good jokes. I want to, I want to get better. So yeah, I've stopped that. Now I try to just go up maybe once or twice a week. So and, much better. And write in the meantime. And then that way I have better, I, I <sighs> my writing has gotten a lot better over the last couple of months because of taking that, that different kind of approach to it. Yeah. And it almost, um, it makes you, what am I trying to say? Like doing only one or two shows a week, it it's a motivator to write yeah. and keep writing. Like, yeah. like, because you only have so much time. It's not like you're just going up there all the time doing the same old stuff. Yeah, exactly. And especially being so new there. Yeah. I, I was really leaning on, on stuff that I wrote like a month or two in, which was garbage. And I knew it was, but I didn't have time to write anything better. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I chose on those shows to focus more on just trying to get better, like on stage. Yeah. Um, quality over quantity. Yeah. I really, I really do think two a week is a good, is a good rule because the weeks that I've done three, Oh, it's exhausting by the end of it. Yeah. I did. I did a a run of four shows a couple weeks ago. And I was just like, I feel dead. I'm dead. Yeah. No, there's one week over the summer. I did uh, five nights in a row and I was just like, this is too Oof. much. It's too much. Oof. And I'm, I mean, I think it's, it's different if you're not working, but if you, if you have a full-time job, oh my God. Yeah. No, it, it is truly too much. Yeah. It's tough to yeah spend all day sitting at my computer doing, uh, doing whatever, taking meetings and, and working and, and then going to a show at night is, it's a lot. Are you good at sticking to the quota though? Like, are you good at going... I'm at two a week. I'm capped and turning down shows or no. yeah, <laughs> no. I know. Right. It's really um, hard to say no to shows. Yeah. It's so very hard. Generally my rule is like, uh, like I don't say no. Yeah. Like if, if somebody offers me a show, I'll take it because that's I know a super good feeling, but right? I've stopped reaching out so much. Yeah. 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 There it is. Yeah. But it's so hard to say no. It can be. Exhausting. Sometimes I've had to because I've been like, I'm booked all these nights and I need a night for editing or I need a po- like a podcast night. Yeah. Like I, I kind of like leaning on the podcast for that. Like just to be like, I need some nights that aren't on stage because I can't do editing and stand up and work. Yeah. Yeah. Like most times. Well, I mean, most most shows are hopefully over by 10, mm-hmm. but I'm not usually home till 10, 30, 11. No. And that's too late. Usually, like, <laughs> if a show's over by 10, then there's going to be, even if you try to get out of there right away, there's going to be a few minutes at least of, of hanging around and, and chit-chatting, yeah. That's a whole yeah. whole other thing, the post-show hangout, how long. It's always longer than you think. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> the post-show hangouts. Yeah. Um, wonderful. So work on one thing per set. That's such a good... Such a good way to see it. What's what's like your overarching thing that you're working on right now? Like what's your what's a big comedy goal um, that you have? 
Other I, than holding the mic, like the little things. Um, I, I try not to, to really set big goals. Yay! Yeah. Good. Because no, it's, this is something that I'm doing for fun. Yeah. Uh, like I don't really have any long term. I'm, I'm way too new to be even thinking like that. Like, yeah. Um, you know, it'd be ridiculous for a person not even a year in to be like, oh, in five years, sure. I'm going to have a Netflix. Bet. Like, that's insane. Josh has gained the respect of every comic listening currently. <laughs> <laughs> every comic listening is going, thank God. Yeah, no, like that's that's insane. So I'm just trying to get better. Uh, I just want to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just want to write good jokes mm. and I want to be able to to perform them in an entertaining way. Look at that. Mm. A realistic goal. Let's ruin it all by going to the next segment. (laughs) (laughs) Unpopular opinion. Do you have an unpopular opinion? Don't hate me for this, but it's time for unpopular opinion. Oh, I have so many. Um, I, John and I were talking about this and we were like, you know what? A few of these we should, I should probably not do. But um, we're at the end. Yeah. There's a reason this is at the end. Yeah. But let's see where it goes. So give me no, one. All right. So I'm going to give you the one that I, I decided I can give me articulate the appet- properly without, uh, you know. The appetizer. Yeah. So opinion. my, I, I think no one has done more to harm the, the progress of climate change than Al Gore. Mm. Because... Prior to him and, in, and an inconvenient truth, it was a bipartisan issue. Uh, Republicans, conservatives, liberals, Democrats, everybody was on board with just the idea that, hey, we should protect the environment. Uh, the Environmental Protection Agency in the U.S. was started by Nixon, Republican. Uh, the national parks in Canada and the U.S. both were started by conservative and Republican governments. Um, it was a bipartisan issue. Mm-hmm. And then Al Gore comes along. Uh, after losing the most contentious U.S. election in living memory and um, and makes outrageous claims like Florida is not going to exist by 2013. Right. Oh, was he the one who who made that? Yeah. Claim? Yeah. OK. Uh, in, in uh, the movie in Inconvenient Truth got sued by the people who made the movie the day after tomorrow for using footage from that. So it gave all of this fodder oh! to people saying he's politicizing it and none of it is true. Um, so they turned it into a bit of like a left versus right thing before that. It was never a left versus right thing. Oh my God. That's such a good point. Yeah. And it's, it's always kind of bugged me because, uh, it shouldn't be political. No, it's, it really should be. It's a world issue, not a. Yeah. And, um, any jobs that are lost in coal mines or oil fields will be made up for on green tech jobs. Mm. Uh, so it shouldn't be an economy issue. It shouldn't be anything. It should just be, let's make sensible choices. Let's try to save this fucking planet. Yeah. I don't even. Ha- did, did you see the movie? I haven't even seen it. I, I saw think. it like when it first came out. Yeah. And, you know, like everyone, I was like, oh, wow, this is eye opening. And then you're just like, well, wait a minute. Florida's going to be underwater by 2013. Like, the movie came out in like, what, 2005 or six or something. Mm. It's like, that's that's great. He said uh, Mount Kilimanjaro will have no snow on it. It still has snow on it. Like he yeah. made he made a lot of really bold claims uh, that have even been challenged by the scientists that he cited as huh yeah fear so mong- like, it's very fear mongering yeah exactly and it, and it politicized an issue which i mean i don't think he set out to politicize it but that was the reality of, of what happened that's what ended um, up happening and and i think those sorts of kind of outrageous claims didn't uh didn't help any 
Huh. Yeah. That's such a good point. Mm. That like, uh, yeah, it's become such a fucking, I mean, everything's political these days, I feel. Yeah. And it all kind of started like Which around sucks. that, that era of like the, the mid two thousands was Mm. like the start of the the tea party in the u.s which led to kind of trumpism and all of that right. stuff so i think yeah al gore kind of fucked the progress for climate change for uh a long long time god damn yeah i mean i don't need any other proof other than the fact that i was outside in a tank top last night uh and yeah it is 20 degrees in november is insane i don't know why people aren't more concerned about how warm it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> right now. Uh, well, a lot of people like cite climate anxiety as kind of the biggest, one of the biggest political issues right now. Um, but it's also one of those things that you can pick up all the garbage you want. You can stop. You can take the bus as much as you want. It's those small changes don't really matter on a personal level. No. Like every little bit helps, of course. But you, what we need is is government action at yeah. all yeah. at all levels of government. Yeah. From all countries, or at least most of them. Yeah. Amen. Ding that bell. Yeah. That was a good one. Do you have another unpopular opinion? Uh, not one I'm comfortable saying on the air. <gasps> oh, no. no. <laughs> oh. That was the one I prepared. So that's that's I, what I'm sticking with. I want to bring up the safe comedy thing. Well, no, we can. So, uh, yeah, I think, like, and actually I was talking with Albert about this the other day as well. And he actually raised a good point that I hadn't really thought of, which is, like, yeah, there's a lot of kind of a lot of comedians in, in Halifax are, are fairly safe. They don't do a whole lot of like edgy material. Um, and Albert raised a really good point that I hadn't considered, which is that who in the city would start doing that and w- which of them would be doing it just for the sake of being able to say, mm-hmm. you know, say certain words or whatever, mm-hmm. which, which is a good point that, yeah, you need it it's, has it's, to be authentic and natural. Yeah, it has not, to be authentic and natural and it has to be more funny that it is offensive. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of people that would just say offensive shit just for the sake of saying something offensive mm-hmm. as opposed to for the reason of like making a good joke. Yeah. And that's a tricky that you and I were talking before the podcast yeah. about like jokes we're working on with subject matter. That's a bit iffy. Yeah. And how like. Like, you're still working on a joke. You don't think it's right for stage yet. Same for me. Yeah. I'm trying to get confident about a joke. I don't think it's right for stage yet. I do not want to go in fearful. Yeah. In any way to like, but I, I want to be confident enough in what I'm saying that should someone well, stand up and go. Eh, me, 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 me. Well, and that's the thing is you like at, uh, at that Yuck Yucks show in Bedford last week, somebody, oh, somebody got up and yeah. started the stage, and that was over a daylight savings joke. Daylight savings. Like time if joke. daylight savings is that touchy of a subject matter, there's there's a lot touchier subject matter that. Uh, oh yeah. You know. Let's tell the listeners a Sparks Notes version. Essentially, a comic had a joke about daylight savings. Another comic went up, and during that comic set, someone came up to the stage and wanted to do like a teachable moment. And, yeah. Teachable moment about what was offensive about. Uh, this person's this other comics joke about daylight savings time. And yeah. then, and this is, if this is not a perfect picture of where we're at with society right now, and then I guess a chair got thrown at that person. Yeah. The, which, the person who was doing the teachable moment thing, which is kind of funny pissed. because it's like, yeah, you know, sit down and shut up. This isn't the time for a teachable moment. 
But then the other side is also very aggressive but too. Throwing a chair isn't the right way to to handle that. Exactly. Like the whole thing was just insane, and the fact that it's over a daylight savings joke is is bonkers. Like bonkers. If you're doing a joke about whatever, you know, a racial joke or mental health joke or whatever, any of these kind of touchy subjects, it's very, you know, you're not wrong to to be a little bit nervous about bringing that stuff to stage in that sort of environment. Cause you have to like you, if it is a touchy subject, you need to prepare for potential backlash. Yeah. Um, but then again, it's crazy to assume what people are going to get upset about. One would not assume someone would get upset about daylight savings time. No, exactly. Like that's, that's totally insane. insane. That's completely insane. Yeah. I, yeah. I do think there needs to be maybe more acknowledgement from hosts at the start of comedy shows. This is a comedy show. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like, like it seems, it seems stupid to say that it's like, yeah, no shit. It's a comedy show. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know what it is about people these days. Um, thinking they could go to, like, if you're that easily offended. Yeah. Thinking you could sit in an audience. At and a stand-up comedy wrestle show. the mic out of the out of the hands of the the comedian. That's and that's so fucking disrespectful. Like, yeah. secondly, the like, level of entitlement is just next next level it's, stuff. It's an art that's not at all respected. Yeah, in in the way that it should be. No, it's like oh, anybody can get up there and and you know say shit into a microphone, but that's not what it is. And the people that think that have no idea what actually goes into it because there is a lot of writing, a lot of preparation, a lot of editing. Yeah. Um, that goes into all of it. And that's not even to mention like the, the practice that it takes to be able to perform a joke like that. Yeah. And the vulnerability um, and the you're vulnerability al- yeah. you're alone on stage. 100%. Yeah. You know, at, at the, and I know that this has happened with bands before too, people getting up and attacking or whatever, or like, um, like rushing the stage. Yeah. It's like they at least have each other. Sam comedians is just one person. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, there was a, there's a clip Mark Norman posted. Um, where like he got into a little bit of an altercation with an audience member, just fucking insane. Yeah. And, and, uh, he handled it very, very well. He got the audience on his side. She didn't attack him or anything, but she was yelling shit and completely interrupted the show. Yeah. Um, and also the claims were just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Like he made a, a joke about, I think a sex worker and she was like, you're supporting human trafficking. And yeah. like, oh, no, I'm telling a joke. Yeah. You're, you're, you're supporting prostitution and that's sex trafficking. Yeah. yeah. And, and, um, what I loved about it is just his relentless, like you're a cunt, like yeah. just calling her. <laughs> and I'm like, this is what it is, man. Yeah. yeah. And it is what she is. Let's fucking say it. Yeah. She's a goddamn cunt for doing that. Yep. He also, uh, I don't think he called her just a cunt, but more than uh, that, more than that. And which I'm surprised people didn't get more mad at him for me too. I was kind of shocked that he didn't get criticism for posting that clip. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and that's the sort of thing that kind of, uh, forms the basis of my thought there that, yeah, there's a lot of safe comedy in Halifax. I can't think of anybody here that would be able to post a clip like that using that language, uh, you know, two kind of big no go words. Uh, in the same clip and not have people be like, whoa, that was too far. I think that there are comics here that could. I do. Probably. Yeah, I do. 100%, Would they? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because I think what happens is, is like you'll, you'll see like tr- comics as true colors when you're really off stage mm-hmm. and t- and riffing with comics or talking with comics. Like that's when we all get very honest and we, you know, not all of us take those opinions to the stage. But it's when the offstage persona 
and the onstage persona kind of mean each other, that I think that type of material could be done in a way that's not shock for shock. Yeah. And I, I think but that's hard to get. And that's why I love podcasts. Yeah. Because podcasts kind of bridge that gap with comedians. Of yeah, absolutely. And offstage and onstage. We're, uh, this is kind of in the middle right now. He, I mean, Mark Norman is also top of the game, like very professional, been doing it more Long than time. 10, like what, 14 years or something like that, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wasn't wrong. No. And so I, th- I think that's kind of what gave him the leeway to be able to use some, some of that language uh, was that, yeah, he wasn't wrong. This woman interrupted in a really unreasonable way. Yeah. And he, he dealt with her in a also fairly reasonable way, given the situation. Yeah. 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 And that's an insane clip. It's just, yeah. and then there was the other one where someone threw a beer bottle at a female comedian. Oh yeah. That was crazy. Like I, ah, uh, and then she, then she picked it up and drank it. The balls. It's like, that's. I would cry. Yeah. That's owning, that's owning the moment for sure. Uh, that was, that was super cool. Uh, I did feel a little bit, it's like, you know what? The per- type of person that was yelling about that stuff might not be the person you want to be sharing a drink with. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But you you made a point, I, but I, now you have herpes. I totally know in her head what went through her head there. Yeah. She went, this is probably not a good idea, but this is going to go viral well, and I'm going to make it even better by I mean, owning this moment. Like, yeah. And like, even if she didn't really have that thought about going viral, it was just about owning the stage and bringing the show back, bringing the show back. Because how do you do that? Well, he just threw that person just threw a beer bottle at you, a beer can, you pick it up and you drink it. And then you, you completely show that you have taken control of the situation and it wins the audience back. And it, it yeah. kind of releases that tension. That tension. Yeah. And tension. Yeah. And it, it just goes to show that I, I guess it just truly goes to show that you need to prepare for everything if you're stepping into that arena. And apparently that means assault these days. Apparently that means physical yeah. and people talking back to you. Yeah. Thank you, Will Smith. Yeah. Normalizing that. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's just it's just insane. It's, an, it's a weird, weird time. Weird time. Stop being so sensitive, everybody. Yeah. Chill the fuck out. <laughs> Chill the fuck out. Yeah, everybody. Everyone. <laughs> Name names, Josh. No. <laughs> no, I just think people need to chill the fuck out. But I mean, I would I would agree that I think and I was also um because Scott and I were talking about this mm-hmm. too, the idea of safe comedy and stuff. And I was I made the point that not everyone's style is that. Um some people just aren't. Some people are safe people on and off stage and that's fine yeah, too. And that's, that's exactly, it needs that's to be too. authentic and sincere. Otherwise you're in that situation where this person is just saying offensive things for the sake of it. Shock for shock. Uh, yeah. Just, yeah. And it's just shock value, you know, shock jock radio DJ sort of a thing. And that's uh that's a very different and situation. You also run the risk. If you do do something shocking or edgy people, you are going to face that criticism of, He's just doing it to say it. Yeah. And that's why. How do you, how do you prepare for that? Like, do you run bits by people before you do them? Well, there's that. I think if you, if you run, so yeah, running it by people, running it by people that are a part of any community that a joke might be about um, is an important one. So do you think that's okay to do, eh? Do you think? Yeah. I mean, if, so there's a, a really funny comedian out of Calgary that uh that post clips on reddit and, and instagram a lot 
uh, he has a, a series of jokes about gender identity and and sexuality and uh, I I hesitate to call them trans jokes because they're jokes that mention trans people, right. but they're not jokes about being the trans. The joke is not on, and the- that's a very important distinction. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's that's a distinction that most comedy audiences would understand, mm. but some people just hear. They hear the word and they go, I'm offended now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or they instantly get their guard up kind of thing. Yeah, and I feel like those are the sort of jokes that, yeah, you run by people in that community that you know. How do you do that? Is that an awkward thing to do? Well, no, I don't know. Is there an etiquette to that, I wonder? Like, 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 hey, (laughs) I have this joke and it's about (laughs) someone like you. I've done it it a couple of times. Yeah. Um, I have a joke, like I mentioned earlier on the podcast, about uh, telling the the kids that I'm I'm an Orthodox Jew. And I ran it by a couple of Jewish people that I know um, to say, like, is this this in any way offensive? Because I could feel rooms tightening up when I say that. And uh, one thing that the feedback was that I got back was um, the only people that would be offended by this are probably 20-something white people who are offended on my behalf. And it was a good point. He said, no, there's nothing wrong with this joke at all. Um, and so that's the sort of thing that mm-hmm. was like, all right, well, then in, in that case, you know, maybe change some wording to uh, to not, you know, to, to avoid that kind of the room tightening up. Right. But the joke itself, there's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with that. No. Okay. So running jokes by people is good. Be prepared. Just be authentic. I think that's the most important thing is the authentic piece. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I think audiences are, are pretty smart. They can pick up on uh, if you're saying shit just to to say that thing, mm. or if you're saying it as a because it's a it's an actual funny joke versus just something that's offensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everyone, listen when comedians are on stage. Don't just hear a word and make an assumption. There's a fucking listen. Yeah, exactly. There's something. Another kind of thing that I've been toying around with this idea that uh, it might be good to normalize shows that are specifically meant to be offensive. Dark, dark yeah, shows. Dark yeah. shows. Like, yes, let's normalize it. There's a show. Uh, so I, I follow a community group uh, on Facebook for uh, comedy shows in Amsterdam. And because I, I go there a lot for work. Mm. Um, and there's a, a comedy show that happens probably once a month, I'd say. That's called Trigger Warning. <gasps> And it's specifically Love. to come and and tell darker jokes or uh, more stuff on the kind of the edgy spectrum that I you might not get away with in other places. It. Yeah, I think it's a great um, idea. A, a cool thing Whitney Cummings is doing. I don't know if you heard about this. She's working with OnlyFans now to put oh. out um, roasts mm-hmm. with other comics, filmed, produced roasts that are specifically like the old school offensive go for the joke yeah. go for it go there subjects too touchy still go there and that's one of my favorite thing about yeah. the roast battles that we that we do here is being able to tell those jokes because everyone gets what what's happening everyone gets that we're all in on the jokes we're all in on it yeah but she's doing like she's she's making it put it behind a payroll yeah because people aren't i don't know yeah if you're if you're going the extra stuff to pay for it yeah online through only fans like like you gotta be down for that. What they're doing? So. Yeah, exactly. You're gonna be okay with it. I think we should do a dark show. I would be fucking. I'd burn back suicide stuff for that. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. Absolutely. 
I know I and I know other comics would too, because there's certainly comics here that toe that line. They approach that line. It's just not they yeah. don't quite they don't quite get over it. And, and, and if um, there was a space or, that was like, here, here is a dank bar. Yep. It's late at night. It's well, branded. We as don't a- have to do it at Oasis. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, when I said dank bar, you know what I thought of was, was literally yuck yucks. Oh, you, also a dank because bar. Because yeah. you literally go underground. And I, I feel yeah. like. Also true for Oasis though. A lot of comedy should be done underground. Yeah. It certainly does not belong in daylight i don't think yeah that's that's weird yeah no i agree i think it's uh that's what summer shows are tough who are they ever yeah because you're starting when it's still bright as hell out and uh the peak of the summer if a show's over at 9 30 it's only just starting to get dark right yeah but summer's also kind of the fucking best too at the same time it's yeah. it's the worst for audiences yeah that's what i'll say yeah but I think it is it is a fun time to do shows because you have that post show hangout talking on the street. Ugh, yeah. Winter's coming soon. It's gonna be yeah. fucking freezing. It's gonna suck. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a big winter guy. This uh this 20 degree weather in November has been fantastic. Yeah. Um, it has a me, shock soon. It has me rooting for the oil companies. <laughs> so <laughs> keep going. <laughs> keep going. Well, Josh, I think that's about it. That's all our right. time. That's well, our thank time. you so much for having me. That's our time. Unless there's anything else you want to pop off about. Uh, no. <laughs> I don't think we've offended anyone. No, I don't think so. I, I don't think, think I don't think anyone's going to come for you. Sweet. <laughs> and if they do, come for me, everyone. Yeah, I'm there the we one go. who's fucking publishing this shit. Yeah, take the mic out of Sarah's hands. And I'll gladly publish it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say one thing? Yes, real quick? Josh. Great points made all the way around. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. That is funny. Uh can I just change my pie request? <laughs> yeah. Can I have a peach pie? You ever make a peach oh, pie? Oh, I've never made a peach pie. I would love yeah. to I'd love to go down that rabbit hole. Peach nice. pie. Yeah. I can't picture it. Is there a crust on top of it? I don't know. We'll we'll find out together. Do you want to come over for this peaches, pie? Peaches inside. But yeah. I don't know what's on the top of it. Oh wait, yeah, I guess. Either way. Either yeah. way. It's- yeah, no, yeah. You, you'd have a crust on that. I think I, I like a crust on top. Yeah. Unless it's like coconut cream or, or like a pecan pie or something. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. You can't put a crust on that. No, you can't. No. Yeah. The pecans are the crust. Yeah, exactly. I fucking love that. So so Josh is taking a pie orders. So I'll leave a link below yeah, to that. a Google form um, where you can. Uh, sug- oh, my God. OK. So two people are here that are going to be on the show. I need to t- tell everyone about the live show. Right. Um, December 3rd, Saturday. Toxicate live show, bringing back the chaos of what was the first live show uh, and doing it all again at Dark Side Comedy Club. Um, Josh, you're going to be there. Yep. John, you're going to be there too. Debating. Yeah, I can't wait. Part we, of live debates. Are we debating each other? Do you know that yet? Uh, can you imagine? The topic is just is just John Pickett. And I <laughs> and I put I put John against himself. <laughs> I'll take the like, are you against? <laughs> You're for? Yeah. That would be so funny. I, that would actually be hilarious. I can make a good argument for John. Oh my God. That's so funny. Yeah. That's such a good idea. Sprinkle in just people's names. It'd be so funny. <laughs> but the show is going to be, yeah, it's going to be live debates. It's going to be stand up sets. I'm doing a little mini tiny condensed speed intoxicated interview with Adam Myatt. Nice. Um, this is going to be, I'm going to be. Very stressed and probably not going to sleep for a while, but it's going to be fun. <laughs> oh, it'll be a blast. I'm really, I'm really excited for it. Show mode Sarah is, um, 
a bit of a beast. That's nice. what I'll say. Beast mode. I, uh, I, I get very like you obsessive mm-hmm. about details and, and, uh, but I want it to be a good fucking show. So everyone, you got to come out. Um, actually when this airs, this is going to air. When is this going to air this Friday coming? So you have one day to get early bird tickets for $15 with, Odie, with Odie Ventbrite fees yep. for this time only. Nice. And then it, it goes up in price because I get scared. People won't come to my shows and it's very stressful. Yeah. It's a, it's it's a big stressful risk. to yep. move tickets, everybody. Yep. So, so if buy them. So buy them. Get them now. Yep. Get them while they're hot. Um, but thank you so much for coming on the show. Is there anything else you thank want to you. plug? Um, Social media. Can people follow you? Yeah, you can follow me. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, mainly on Instagram, I guess. Uh, at hip hip array, which is a software joke. I was wondering yeah. where you got your username from. Yeah, it's a software joke. Is it? Is that like it's just a technical term that I wouldn't know? No, hip. well, like an array is is just like a collection of things. Oh, yes. Okay. And so the way it's in, in programming, you have like an array of of a string, which is just like text or whatever. Okay. And uh, so it's an array of, of two hips. So it's kind of oh like God. hip, hip, hooray, but it's hip, hip, array. That's so geeky. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, <laughs> That's so geeky. I love it. That's so funny. Yeah. I love when people have unique usernames. Yeah. Thank you. It's. I like it. <laughs> it's, it's, all, it's always fun. But thank yeah. you so much for this. This was a blast. Yeah. And thank you, John and Michaela for joining us. Do you, got, do you have any last minute questions for Josh? <laughs> I would laugh if Michaela was like, where do you get the nerve? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll hear all about it later. And then. Uh, okay. What kind of pie do you want? Um, I'm not a huge pie fan. Why am I making you a pie? Why am I making you a whole pie? You won't even eat it. Uh, I don't like pumpkin pie. The pumpkin pie people are over there. I'll make you, I'll make you a pecan pie. Oh, <laughs> you, are you a cake person instead of pie? Yeah. No, oh. I'll, I'll make you a pumpkin pie. I think pie is better. And uh, when I give it to you, I will explain exactly what it is <laughs> and why it's good. <laughs> what went into it. And, uh, and why you do it better than women. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Why you will not be able to make a pie as good as this. <laughs> Because of your small, dainty hands. It's just not in your DNA. Yeah. (laughs) Even though that's where we belong in the kitchen. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, Josh. This was so fun. You can ding the bell. We're done, bitches. We're done. Thank you for listening to the Intoxicated Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast app you use and leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. You can also give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Intoxicated Podcast and check out our video episodes on the Intoxicated YouTube channel. Until next week, feel hard and talk hard. Intoxicated Podcast is hosted and produced by Sarah McClellan and brought to you by the messiness of life. Oh, everybody's depressed. Next subject.